You folks may recognize the face to my right, because that's your pal Soli from Locked on MLB, and he's going to talk with us about the Pirates offseason, their goals, their needs, and all of that and more on the Locked on Pirates podcast. You are Locked on Pirates, your daily Pittsburgh Pirates podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey everybody, and welcome back to Locked on Pirates. Of course, this is the second episode that you guys are getting today on November 21st. Again, happy Thanksgiving to everybody. It's going to be a fun day on Thursday. Uh, I get to drive four hours that day because I'm driving two and two because I work tomorrow night and Friday morning. So that's how my Thanksgiving is going. But we all know our pal Sully is going to have a good Thanksgiving because he's always mentioning great baseball stuff, great baseball mind. Emmy-nominated podcast host, by the way. If you guys don't listen to his show, you should. But Sully, how are you today, sir? Uh, I'm good. I should probably uh, point out that I was not nominated as a podcaster. Uh, I was uh, nominated for uh, uh, my work as a television producer in San Francisco. So that was uh, that. So I wanted to sort of get that straight. But you know, but but what do I know? How you doing, buddy? Uh, I'm here. I'm getting ready to do, uh, uh, you know, to talk a little baseball and, uh, you know, see what's see what's going to unfold with the Bucks. Which, by the way, is a team that I have said over and over is a team that I have a very, very uh, it has a huge, huge place in my heart. And um, basically, uh, I, I would love to see the Pirates win. In fact. I have uh, I, my little wall of fame back there. One of the, I, I have what's called the rule of seven, where you start following a sports team. You get your earliest memories of a sports as being a sports fan when you're around seven years old. And right back here is the 1979 baseball preview. I was seven years old in 1979. The first World Series I remember watching was the 1979 World Series, the Pirates We Are Family. And I've always loved that, which has it has uh, my buddy Jim Rice. I'm a big Red Sox fan, so Jim Rice and Dave Parker. Um, I think both should be in the Hall of Fame, but uh, they they should be yes. But we, yes, we that's a conversation for a whole nother day on the Baseball Hall of Fame and its many shortcomings. Uh, yeah. But if you guys yeah. have not noticed, also by the way, Sully, uh, we have been on. I've been on your show more times than I can count probably That's at true. this point. But I do think this is the first time that you've ever just been on locked on pirates. That's true. That's true. I've this, I've, you're, I've always hosted. So I, this is the first time I'm surrounded by uh, the golden black of, of basically any pirates team, yes, or any, any Pittsburgh team uh, was the basketball team in the fish that saved Pittsburgh. Did they wear black and gold too? I was trying to figure out if everyone the, stayed uh, uh, consistent. The um, Pittsburgh Pipers and the Pittsburgh Condors. Yes. We're going back that far. The Pipers right. did. The yeah. Condors were red, white, and uh, they were red. They were like Harlem Globetrotter-esque. Gotcha. They were like, but they were also only in Pittsburgh for less than a year and had like a winning percentage of like 200. So I don't think a lot of people really remember too much about it. Yeah. But at this juncture, <clears throat> Sully, it is November 21st. Yes. And not a lot has happened. 
no. in the offseason at all. And, I mean, really, I guess you could say the biggest news has been managerial hires mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Aaron Nola, of course, signed his big extension. Lance Lynn and Kyle Gibson are St. Louis Cardinals, which just is a peachy thing to hear for me as a Pirates fan that they're just getting pitching right now. But from an outside view looking in solely, what do you think about the Pirates now? And what do you think they need to do this offseason? The floor is yours. Um, it's interesting. I think we saw last year, though, we went into the National League Central in 2023, and I thought the Cardinals were such overwhelming favorites because I said they seemed like to be the only team that seemed to be trying. And the Cardinals crashed and burned spectacularly to the point where people are thinking, should they trade Goldschmidt? Should they do these other things? Um, I, I see them signing a lot of veteran pitchers who let up a lot of runs, let up a lot of homers, uh, got, got shelled last year. Uh, I, I don't see that as being the key. Now, of course, they could say, you know, maybe a change of scenery or for the case of Lance Lynn, uh, return to the place where he became a World Series champion. You know, maybe as Elton John sang in the song, you know, Get back honky cat. Maybe a change will do you good. But you're also hoping for a lot of players to turn things around on a Cardinal team. Now, why am I talking so much about the Cardinals in a Lockdown Pirates episode? Um, because the Pirates don't exist in a vacuum. Because the Pirate, we still have a divisional system. I don't believe we should. I think we should eliminate divisions. But we're not there yet. And so the pirates have to finish better than Chicago, Milwaukee, St. Louis, and Cincinnati. And they will be a playoff team. And they don't have to worry. They don't have to worry about the Braves. They don't have to worry about the Mets. They don't have to worry about the Phillies. They don't have to worry about Los Angeles. They have to worry about San Diego. They have to worry about any of those teams. Okay. A couple of things are starting to happen, which would, if I were a pirate fan, would make me feel a little better. And that is, I don't trust what the Cardinals are doing. I also don't trust what the Brewers are doing. The Brewers have taken away their quality manager, and they may start to shed payroll. I I went in last year thinking if Milwaukee just stumbled out of the gate, they were probably going to have a fire sale. But as it turned out, no one wanted to win the division and the Brewers wound up winning the division kind of handily, even though the Cubs put a little bit of an effort towards the end, but they fell apart as well. So the Pirates we saw, who got off to a good start last year, they were actually a a wild card team in June. Early June, they were one of the wild card teams. Now, of course, we we all know their second. They, you know, they, it was disastrous. They had a disastrous June. And soon, you know, the wheels fell off the place and and people were pining for, you know, the glory days of of Andrew McCutcheon. And then they said, oh, there he is. They said, yeah, but it's not the same. The Pirates have a lot of good young talent. The Pirates have some good players who showed signs of playing well and signs of adversity, kind of like the 2012 Pirate team who contended for a little bit 
and then the wheels fell off the you know fell off the truck and that led to their three straight trips to the postseason and how the wild card series worked against them by facing you know Bumgarner and Arietta in back-to-back years I know some of my fans are sick of me saying this if they got past Arietta I'm convinced the Pirates would have won the pennant in 2015 the way they were playing at the end the way their strengths were if they got past Chicago I think they would have beaten St. Louis and they probably would have beaten the Mets now whether or not they would have beaten Kansas City I don't know and neither do you but I look at this pirate team and I think okay obviously you don't go on a wild spending spree you don't you don't carelessly spend money but you could intelligently spend money you could look at you could pull what I call Jorge Solerity Rosario's uh, uh, syndrome, which is make sure you got a major leaguer everywhere. You know, go through, see who's out there. You're not going to get the big superstar. They're not. No one. They're not on the shortlist for Shohei Otani. I don't. I don't want to be the one to, to break that news to Ethan Smith. But if they spend smartly, if they patch holes, if they say we're going to have more major leaguers than not. And if you look and you sort of see who they have in the pitching staff, you know, you aren't going to get a superstar ace, but make sure you have at least a couple of decent starting pitchers and a couple of decent relievers. You know, they aren't that, I don't think they're that far behind Cincinnati. I don't think they're that. And I think that Milwaukee is going to come down. And uh, while I think the, the Cubs are going to improve, now, of course, if the Cubs sign Otani and he's a he's a prime candidate to sign there, um, that's that's fine. But you know, you could cross your fingers and hope that Contreras improves after he has you know a dozen starts or so. That Ortiz may pitch better. That you may see some improvements in their bullpen with another year under their belt. And could Brian Hayes and you know. Um, uh, uh, what's his doodle? Why, why am I blanking on his name? You're your shortstop. O'Neill uh, Cruz. Thank you. <laughs> I lost my, I'm sorry. I lost my brain for a second. You know, Henry Davis wasn't good this year, but he was only 22 or 23. You know, I mean, we, you're, you're hoping that if you have a lot of these players who can now build upon that. And I think it's just sort of acquire one veteran hitter, one veteran pitcher, and one veteran reliever. Do I think that will mean they'll win 112 games? Yes. Yes, I do. Okay, maybe I don't. But they're 87 wins might win this division. It's very possible. Yeah. And so, and they're not playing in a vacuum. I do not trust this Cardinals team. I do think this Milwaukee team will come crashing to earth. And so... It, then you look up and you say, can they play better than Chicago and Cincinnati? So it makes it, it, you have to be smart. You have to make the right moves and be smart. Obviously, and, and hope that you can live by the mantra of mediocre is better than bad. So if you had a bad player and you fill it with a mediocre player, you've now made an improvement. And maybe the the chain reaction of events the great uh blueprint for the pirates and hope for their fans is arizona 
because and Arizona had a much harder road to hoe because they're in a division with Los Angeles. They're like when in when they lost a hundred some odd games in twenty twenty one, the Giants won one hundred seven games, the Dodgers won one hundred six games. And the Padres were playing supermarket sweep at uh, free agency. And if you had told me when the Giants and the Dodgers were facing off as a multiple 100-win team that the next NL West team to make the World Series would be the Diamondbacks, you, you, would, have put a, you would have sent me to an insane asylum. But yeah. that's exactly what happened. And the Pirates don't have that type of hill to climb. And if you look at the acquisitions that the Diamondbacks made – between their hundred and something lost team and winning the pennant last year, their biggest their biggest paid player was Madison Bumgarner, who was DFA'd in May or April. I can't remember. It was, it, all I know was before Memorial Day, and they didn't have and the and the Goldschmidt trade didn't yield a bounty of superstars, and so but they filled in holes with veterans. You saw the effect of an Evan Longoria on that team. He wasn't a huge free agent acquisition. And that's kind of the blueprint that the Pirates have to have. Mm-hmm. And cross your fingers that Milwaukee, Chicago, and um, St. Louis don't figure things out. So I, I, I do think there's what – I, what I liked about the Pirates season this year is it looked like they had a plan. Mm-hmm. And it's like, all right, we're not going to win this year, but we're, we're doing stuff. And I think if you play to the division, as long as we have divisions the way we do, I, I, a winning season is not out of line, out of the question for the Pirates this year. And a winning season might be enough to put them in the playoffs. Yeah, and I think that, that thinking about it that way, too, is like a lot of times people want to think about how the Pirates compare to everybody in the National League. But with you saying that, again – your main four things, and this is even true in other sports like uh, like other divisional sports like football and hockey, your main goal every year should be to win your division first. That's always goal number one because that guarantees that you are in the playoffs. Now, to speak on some of the things you did mention, you said one starter. I will go ahead and say that the Pirates probably need at least two for me okay. to even be slightly comfortable because Johan Oviedo may need Tommy John surgery. I Folks, didn't know that. Okay. Also, um, Mike Burrows will be on the second half of this show who uh, is recovering from Tommy John surgery, which has been a massive issue in this organization for quite a bit. So you really look at what the pitching is right now, and it's Mitch Keller and everybody else. And obviously yeah. you have the potential generational talent in Paul Skeens, but is he going to start here right away? No. Probably and- not. No, you nor have, should he. Nor should he. No, you don't. When you have that type of look at, I'm I'm a big believer in you play the best twenty. You know, what is it now? Twenty six on the 26, roster. Twenty six. Yes. You have the best twenty six in your the best healthy twenty six in your organization in the major leagues. I don't care about manipulating playoff. Uh, you know uh, what's it called? Service First time. time. Yeah. <clears throat> None of that should ever be a factor. Okay. But I also don't believe that if you have someone, he's he's a key part of your team, and you don't want to Todd Van Poppel him. You know, I've, those of you who don't remember Todd Van Poppel, he was uh, considered to be one of the best high school pitching prospects of all time, and he signed a contract with Oakland that ridiculously it guaranteed he would be on the major league roster by X number of time. 
he wasn't ready and he got hammered and it basically destroyed his career and if they just brought him up normally um you know if he turns if he turns out to be a david price and shoots through the organization fine but you don't want to you don't want to ruin that at the mm-hmm. same time you don't want to if he's if he's mowing him down uh bring him up yeah you know it, even, even I, if you're using him out of the pen bring him up because you want to get him to become a major league pitcher as soon as it's responsibly possible for him to do. Yeah. And I think that that's a reasonable goal to have as well. And I think for the pirates at this point, see, you mentioned 2012 and I wanted to go back to that. You go and look at the comparisons of this team to the comparisons of the 2012 team. And they're obviously very different. You're talking about an 11 year difference of players, but then I want to connect another dot to something you said, Sully, if everybody was keeping up with everything. I said you mentioned Evan Longoria's impact that he's had on the Arizona Diamondbacks. Mm-hmm. What better veteran presence to have on a roster than a guy who is quite literally the person that guided the team that he is currently on in their last playoff appearance eight to nine years ago? Right. And I think that like when you start connecting the dots on a lot of these things, and I've thought about the NL Central and what these teams are going to do, and pitching is going to be the thing across the board. He's already seen it with St. Louis, with Lance Lynn and um, Kyle Gibson. I think Cincinnati is going to do the same thing with the plethora of offense that they have. Mm-hmm. The Pirates need it, and now the Brewers lose Brandon Woodruff. Who knows what, where Corbin Burns is going to be? Is he going to be I a Brewer at this be, point? No, I think, in fact, we Chuck Freeman of uh, Lockdown Brewers was on the show, and he believes uh, – we both think that there's a strong possibility that – he could be dealt with Yelich's uh, big contract attached to it, kind of the way that the Red Sox attached uh, David Price in the deal for Mookie Betts. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not defending the Mookie Betts trade. It's one of the worst trades of the 21st century. But um, I do think that – I think the Brewers are going to start the rebuilding process. And I think that's one of the reasons why uh, Council left. Yeah, I think he read the writing on the wall, and he said, okay, I don't want to sit here for this. And yeah. as far as what you would say, and I, you kind of elaborated that 87 wins could win this division next year. but what Or do make you, a wild card spot. Or make yeah, a wild card spot. Very possible, too. For the Pirates, though, like let's say offseason-wise they do what you said. They get that one veteran bat, that one veteran or one or two veteran arms, and a reliever. Mm-hmm. And they go in the next season with the possibility that Skeens comes up midway through the year. You get Mike Burrows back. You get JT Brubaker back. You get uh, another year of Henry Davis, hopefully a healthy year of O'Neill Cruz. How does this all come together to where you think that this team could be competitive in 2024 from the outside looking in? Because everybody's heard me say this a million times. Like they've heard what I've said needs to happen. I'm just interested on the outside looking in. Who do you think are the biggest factors into this Pirates team being a potential playoff team in 2024? Oh, Hayes and Cruz. I mean, and, and you know, maybe Reynolds and Sawitsky, Sawinski, you know, having the big moment. But then, you know, Hayes and Cruz have to take the next step. They need to go from, you know, major leaguers to legitimate all-stars. You know, that I mean, this is why you this is why you develop players like this. And we've seen this in Atlanta. We've seen this with some of the other teams where the, the, the homegrown players uh, emerge at the same time. You know, Corbin Carroll and Cattell Marte did that. 
this year with Arizona. And you saw what happened when those players took the the leap forward. Then suddenly you have, you know, you have a one-two punch. You have those types of players who could, you know, in stretches carry a team. And you saw, like, even in the postseason, you know, uh, Carroll wasn't playing well for a chunk, but Marte picked up the slack. I mean, that's the key. We can talk all you want about veteran this, veteran that. They have to be the complementary pieces, but the main thrust has to be, you know, like when the when the Pirates started winning in the mid two thousand tens, it was you know it was the homegrown player, it was the McCutcheons leading them to that point. That was the key, you know. So I mean, if Henry Davis, lest we forget that Henry Davis, who you know wasn't good last year, but he was a top draft pick he needs if he could develop into you know if Cruz and Hayes can turn to superstars and Davis can turn into a, a an everyday player quality I'm not even asking for him to be a superstar but that would be uh, an above average player you know uh, that you know t- then all of a sudden you have you have those pieces in place you get rallies going and it could go cover up bad pitching you know, that to me is so much a larger part of it. They had veterans on the team last year. Santana was a good veteran. McCutcheon's a good veteran. A lot have been there, done that fine. But they didn't get the big season out of Cruz. They didn't get the big season out of Davis. They didn't get the big season out of Hayes. So you have as many pep talks from your veterans as you can, but you need the young – it needs to be a combination. And you saw what happened. You saw what happened with Zach Gallen when he became an ace. You saw what happened with Marte when he became an all-star. You saw what happened with Carroll when he became, you know, he had this spectacular rookie season. Okay? That's the that's what has to happen with the Pirates. And you have to hope that this was the learning curve. You have to hope that this was them stubbing their toes. Yeah, there are plenty of great players who stumbled out of the gates. Mike Schmidt was terrible his first couple of years in Philadelphia. You know, it took forever for Bernie Williams I remember I was living in New York when people were saying Bernie Williams on all this potential, he stinks. Eventually, you know, the Rubik's Cube clicked and he became, you know, a legitimate all-star. And I think the most underrated player of those Yankee teams, or at least the most underappreciated. And that's what has to happen. You know, you could look up and you say, well, maybe Connor Joe can do this or, you know, uh, uh, you know, Castro can do that or. You know, someone like uh, Andy Rodriguez can get a big hit. That's all fine, but you need the you need those key players, the core players, to turn into the to turn into your MVPs. And by the same token, you're going to need some of that young pitching. There's a lot of young pitching on this team, and some of it stunk up the joint. And so, what you need is for some of those pitchers to turn it around. Contreras has to look up and say, "I got my 12 starts. I stunk." But John Smoltz stunk his first year. Tom Glavin stunk his first year. A lot of pitchers stink their first year. So that's what you have to – that's the key, the turnaround of these young players. Yeah, and if you could say just one last thing as we wrap up here, Sully, to Pirates fans, what would it be about this offseason and going into next season? Uh, You're not in a vacuum. I know I said that before, but that's the most critical thing. You're not in a vacuum. If you are working forward with your young players and the other teams are regressing, that's in your favor. You're trying to get to 87 wins and the other teams are are reducing their win total. Okay? That is working towards your advantage. So don't reverse. Don't rebuild. 
and take a look at this team and say, hey, there is young talent on this team. And the Pirates, you're hoping the Pirates right now are where Milwaukee was in, say, 2016-2017, when they were getting some of those players and putting them into place. And they went on, granted, they haven't won a pennant. You know, they got the game seven of the NLCS um, in 2018. So there's, you know, this run from Milwaukee hasn't had the big, the big spectacular finish that everyone wanted in Milwaukee. But I have a feeling if I asked Pirate fans if you would be okay with going to the postseason, let's see, the Brewers in 2018, 2019, 2020, 2021, they just missed last, and make the postseason five out of six years. Make it to the NLCS once. I mean, obviously, what you want to do is you want to, you know, replicate the We Are Family Pirates. But I have a feeling Pirate fans would take five playoff appearances in six years and roll the dice. Yeah. You know, and so, you know, you're, the Pirates could be in that spot where Milwaukee was in 2016 or 2017. And so that's what you have to just sort of hope that the other teams regress your way and some of the young stars click because you know the Yelichs and everyone started clicking and all of a sudden they're in the postseason and they're a legit playoff team and they had a lead in game seven of the NLCS in 2018 before you know Puig hit the home run that you know bouncy bounced off the center field wall but uh I you know there's hope for this team yeah I think there's hope and so do I and Sully thank you so much for coming on to this show hopefully everybody enjoys all of that insight because I do think that sometimes, although I'm hosting a show that is just for this team, I do think it's nice to get the outside perspective on this stuff a little bit. Cause I do obviously know that there are some biases to mm-hmm. having your favorite teams no. across sports. No, 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 not at all. So hearing it from an unbiased source folks, this is solely baseball. Sully, tell them where they can find your show. Cause it's pretty much in the same places you can find mine. Just a little bit different spelling at the end. Well, you can find us at Lockdown MLB Pods on Twitter or whatever the hell it's called now, and on Instagram. I'm your pal Simon Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram, and I'm going to throw out my trivia question. I'm throwing out to the Lockdown Pirates listeners as well as you, Lockdown MLB listeners who's listening, who are listening right now. And the trivia question is, and maybe this will be easy for you as a Pirate fan, but. Two Pirates are tied for the team record of games played. What? Don't answer it. I want the, the, I want the answers right in the YouTube uh, comment section or on Twitter or whatever it's called now or Instagram, wherever. So two Pirate Hall of Famers are tied for the most games played as a Pirate in a Pirate uniform. Which two Hall of Famers are tied for most games played as a Pittsburgh Pirate? That is your trivia question. And it's a harder than you think because there's a bunch of Pirate Hall of Famers who put out some long years with the team. Yeah. And, in fact, when I saw it, I did a double take because I was positive another name was going to be on there. And it wasn't. But two were tied. So that's your trivia question. Put it in the comment section of this video or at Locked On MLB Pods on Twitter and Instagram, Sully Baseball on Twitter and Instagram, at MVP underscore Ethan on the Twitterverse, or Locked On Pirates on the uh, on the Twitterverse, or in, wherever you get it. But hey, uh, 
Thanks for having me on. He's Ethan Smith. My name is Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. Yeah, of course. And guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, tomorrow's show will be about what Pirates fans have to be thankful for as Thanksgiving is on Thursday. But until then, see you guys on the flip side and enjoy the interview with Mike Burrows. Don't hit, don't hit stop record yet. Okay. Don't hit stop record yet. Cause let's. Hey, look, it's Ethan Smith of Locked On Pirates. I'm Sully from Locked On MLB. And let me tell you something. It's the NFL season. Did you know that? Did you know it was the NFL season there? Well, there's some big news out of Pittsburgh today, so I'm pretty sure I think that, yeah, it's the NFL season. Well, there you go. Well, I hope Terry Bradshaw is okay. But if you want to score, go to FanDuel, which is America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's 150 bucks if your team wins. And if you're thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season in late November. FanDuel, it's the official partner of the National Football League. And folks, I don't know if you know, by the way, if you're on Locked On MLB, hi, but this is also Locked On Pirates. And if you didn't know, Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. So go to the Locked On Sports Today podcast on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel.